Good morning. Good morning. That was pitiful. Good morning. Good morning. It's like pre-memorial day, people. You can't take you can't do that till next week. You know, this is not vacation week. Um, good morning. Good morning. So excited to be with you guys this morning and so excited just to get into this text. If you have your Bible, you can flip open to Mark 5. I'm going to drink water till I realize my throat's there. Um, <clears throat> man, um, this is we were singing this morning. I felt like everything in here go away. I don't even know what's left in here. Um, so hopefully, um, through the power of God, I can, without being too scratchy, make it through this whole deal. Uh, like I said last week, I kind of ate all the pollen, so you guys should be safe um, for a couple more days anyway. Um, <clears throat> but I love it when in worship you just use everything you got, right? Yeah. Um, see, I don't have to have a voice. I don't, I don't need anything. And God doesn't need me. Um, I just want to pour it all out to Him. Amen. And um, this morning, just as we were singing, God, you're so good, I just felt it kind of go. Um, but I just believe that this morning, that God is good. Um, and He's so good to me. I know that maybe not everything is good, but I know that God is good. And He even uses the bad and flips it around and flips the script and He makes it good in our life. And I just love that. Um, see, the reality um, today, I've been thinking about this this week, is some of us feel like we're in the dark, don't we? You're like in that dark moment where you're like, I don't really see what you're doing, God. And I feel like maybe you've, you've kind of left. Oh, see, we have a God that's so good, He works miracles in those dark places. And when we're not seeing it in the moment, He's working, He's not sleeping, He's doing the thing. And we're going to come out of that one day into a better spot. And we're going to be like, man, how did you get all this done in such a short period of time? And He's going to say, I've been working the whole time. I've been working the whole time for your good. Um, isn't it great that we have a God that's so good, He can even flip our sins and turn them for the better, right? And uh, man, I just, uh, I love that. This morning, we're going to be in Mark 5. That's for free, by the way. It's just what God's doing in me. Um, we're going to be in Mark 5, and we're just going to continue um, the series, The Healer. I know that's probably the first time you've heard that. Uh, it's the first time I've heard it, too, because the past two weeks, I didn't really think we were in a series. Uh, two weeks ago, I thought maybe it was just a one-shot, and it was just coming out. And then last week, I thought we were at the end of the little two message things I didn't but now it's three so you got to give it a name and um, it's just the healer and I don't know how long we'll be here I already kind of know the next place we're going I'm just waiting for God to say that I can go there um, but we've been talking about this this idea that Jesus yes very much did come to save uh, that's a true story by the way um, I don't know thank you we're excited me and John we got this we're excited about it um, Jesus came to save he did um, thank God, right? Because all my hope is anchored in the blood of Jesus. We just talked about that. And without that, I'm, I'm lost and it doesn't matter. Without that, I'm headed towards hell and it doesn't matter. Without that, I'm under the power of the enemy and it, it doesn't matter. I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. Without the saving power of God, mission number one for why Jesus came to the planet, I don't have any kind of hope. But thanks be to God today, he didn't just come to save. He did come to save. I love that. He did come to, to save us, to, to lift us up out of our pit and to set us towards him in eternity. He came for that, but he didn't just come for that. He also came to heal. It's true. Jesus came to heal. See, that's amazing to me because if Jesus just come to save, I met him when I was 11 years old and I'm done until I get to eternity, right? Like, thank you for the drop in. I'm glad that you could be a distant God that would come all the way down here for one moment and just meet with me. That'd be pretty amazing still. I'm not knocking that. But see, our God is not a distant God or a God that just drops in on occasion. He's not just there for a visit every once in a while. Our God is a, he's a personal God, a God that's consistent, a God that shows up every day. And the fact that our God is a healer means that every day he wants to step into our life and he wants to do something. Like today, God wants to meet with you. And maybe you knew that because you're at church today. You're like, oh, yeah, obviously I rolled up in the building. But let me just give you a newsflash. Tomorrow, God wants to meet with you. Amen. And you're like, but I don't know if tomorrow's a church day. It is if you're a man because I've got men's Bible study. But, you know, if you're a lady, God still wants to meet with you tomorrow. And Tuesday, God wants to meet with you. And Wednesday, God wants to meet with you. And Thursday, see, God is a personal God, and he wants to work in our lives every single day in a personal way. 
We read a text two weeks ago that said Jesus came and he healed every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, meaning he's not like a one-shot doctor, right? He's not like, I do this thing, this is my thing, but he's a doctor who does all the things, right? He's a God who wants to heal every disease and every sickness. And what I mean by that is today, no matter what you're dealing with, Jesus has the answer for that today. Jesus has the cure for that. And we've been talking about that the past few weeks. And this morning, we're going to do the same thing in Mark um, chapter 5. We're going to read a story, actually, that's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But uh, I just there's like two words different in Mark, and I just love those two words. So we're going to do it in Mark. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to talk about... Um, a lady here in a moment um, that had an issue of blood. Now, I'll get into that in a second. Maybe you've heard this story before, but through the grace and power of God, I pray that it's different today maybe than it's been before. In chapter 5, we see that um, Jesus is coming to the other side of the sea, the sea being the Sea of Galilee, and he's traveling from the eastern side of the sea to the western side of the Sea of Galilee. And when he gets there, um, Jesus is greeted by a crowd like Jesus almost always is. I'll, I'll be honest, every time you see Jesus, for the most part, there is a crowd, right? Jesus is kind of a popular guy. I don't know if you know that. Maybe it's hard to see in the context of our culture today, but maybe we're presenting something that's not Jesus today. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the problem. But, um, but Jesus is a popular guy. See, Jesus does amazing things. He does things like nobody's ever seen before. Jesus is a guy who can, who, can, who can teach like nobody's ever taught before. Maybe that's not impressive to you, but to a society of people that are religious people who have grown up in the synagogues, who have been around the word of God as, as they would know it over and over and over again in the course of their life, the fact that there's somebody that showed up on the planet and they can do something that they've not heard before is an amazing thing. It wasn't just, let's read Isaiah, it was, let's read the Word, and who's going to be reading it today is, is the Word. Jesus didn't have to interpret the Word of God. It says in, I think, John, that He is the Word, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. Jesus didn't have to interpret it. He was it, and He could live it and breathe it and teach it like nobody else had ever taught before. And that's pretty amazing to a group of people that had heard it a million times. Jesus could do other things, by the way. He wasn't just a teacher. Uh, it's not his primary task. It's just what he kind of did while he was here. He could also heal people, and nobody would ever seen anything like that before. It was undeniable that at the very least, Jesus had to be a prophet because Jesus was doing things that nobody else could do. There are religious leaders all over the area, but nobody could do what Jesus could do. Nobody could speak to a man who'd never walked before and say, get up. And the guy's like, oh, it sounds like a great idea. And he actually gets up, and he rolls up his bed and walks. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else had power like that. Jesus to, could go to a man that had never seen before and, and with very little effort open up his eyes. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else can just, with, with basically nothing, uh, make, make a guy who's never seen before see. Nobody else could do that. And Jesus could even walk over to funerals and change them into parties, right? He could, he could go to places where maybe, maybe people were having a funeral. Maybe he could even go to the tomb. You've heard the story of Lazarus, and he could speak into these moments of death, and he could raise those people up into life, and nobody else had the power to do that. So when people started hearing these Jesus stories, people started coming to see what Jesus was all about. So Jesus crosses over from the eastern side of the sea to the western side of the sea. And when he gets there, uh, there's a crowd already kind of amassed on the shore ready to meet with him. And inside of this crowd, there's a man. This man's uh, name was uh, Jarius. I'm trying to find it real quick. I promise it's here. Uh, <laughs> there we go. We're in like 23, 24. Um, and it says in 22, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, that's his name, came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. This man came and he was looking for Jesus. He was a leader of the synagogue. In other words, he was a religious leader. Now, most of the time we see a religious leader in the text, they're not coming to fall at the feet of Jesus. They're coming to kind of try to get rid of Jesus. But here's a man who was maybe a little more enlightened. He had maybe a better sense of who Jesus was. And he'd heard stories of what Jesus could do. And he had a problem in his life. And the problem was his daughter, if you're looking at 23... Uh, was at death's door. His daughter was dying. There was something wrong with his daughter, and he knew that, you know, there was nothing, there was no way coming out of that other than Jesus. And he, he says to Jesus, Come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. And amazing. Here's this religious leader who, by the way, in large, were not fans of Jesus, but in a moment of trouble when all else was lost, when none of his Pharisee friends could help him and Sadducee friends could help him and none of his scribes could help him. He couldn't, you know, they couldn't um, religious phrase his daughter out of death. 
then he did something else. He went to Jesus and he fell at Jesus' feet and he began to beg Jesus, hey, I need you to come and heal my daughter. I've heard how you can speak to even the people that are already dead and raise them up out of that. And my daughter's not quite there yet. And if you can do it for them, maybe you can do it for me. And he goes and he begs Jesus, come and heal my daughter. Lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. And it says Jesus does this amazing thing in 24. Jesus went with him. Jesus went. Maybe this guy was even one of the guys that had been trying to cause Jesus trouble before this. We don't know. But the man asked, and the man received. He came to Jesus, and he humbly got down, and he asked, Hey, come heal my daughter. And no matter who this guy was, Jesus was ready to go do it. It says, so Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following, because Jesus is going, they're going. And they were pressing against him. I just want you to get a visual of this moment because this is where we're kind of going to step into the story together this morning. Jesus was following this man and behind Jesus was this crowd. And they were following him and they were pressing against him. Have you ever seen like on TV um, how the celebrities, like they'll come out of a restaurant or they'll come out of their house and all the people on the sidewalk just kind of flock to them? Maybe the people with the cameras and what everybody's trying to do is they're trying to get as close as they can because they want to get noticed. They want to be seen. They, they want to maybe exchange a few words. They want to get an autograph if that's the possibility. They just want to be close because here's this person that's famous and, and they want to just have a moment with this person. This is the kind of the image that we would get in this moment of Jesus walking down the street and everybody's trying to push to the front, trying to cut through the people and they're pressing together. And it's kind of like Jesus sandwiched here and probably the disciples are kind of around him and maybe a circle if you can get that image, trying to just keep people off enough. Jesus can get down the street. This is the moment and it says the people were pressing against Jesus. They were, they were actually literally kind of starting to squish all that stuff together. And it says, in this moment, um, there was a woman in 25. We've got a big crowd of people. But in that crowd, we're going to talk about one person. And it says, there was a woman, and this woman was suffering from bleeding, and she'd been doing this for 12 years. Now, most of the kids are gone, so I'll just let you know, she's not got like a wound on her arm where she's bleeding. This is... um, kind of her feminine cycle but it's been happening for 12 years that's not normal right that sounds horrible 12 years that's bad that's there's some health thing that's causing this right like nobody just does that there's some serious medical condition that this woman has been dealing with for 12 years. And I don't know what comes with it other than this, but I would imagine that this is just one of the many symptoms of, of a greater problem. There's probably other issues that come with this. This is a sick lady. But without all the physical problems, without going into all that, there's also a greater issue. And it comes out of Leviticus 15. Uh, You don't have to flip there. I've got it marked, but I don't think I need to read it out loud because it's kind of awkward. But basically just know that if this is just any woman and, and you're going through that cycle, you are ceremonially unclean in Leviticus, which means you can't like go hang out in the temple, right? You can't be around God's stuff. You can't go into the presence of God. You're, you're unclean for the length of time and then seven days after that time and then after that. So you can do all the math on that. That's a lot of days. You'd have to go on the eighth day and you have to make a sacrifice specifically just to be clean. So like half of the, half of the month of the year, you weren't allowed to just roll up into the temple. You weren't allowed to just kind of go hang out with God. It gets worse than that, actually. Not only can you not be around God, it affects your relationship with people because anybody you were to touch in that span of time would be made unclean for the rest of the day. So like holding hands, whoever you're holding hands with is clean, unclean for the rest of the day. Hugs, whoever you hug is unclean for the rest of the day. So you can imagine in a religious society where cleanliness is like the big deal. You don't want to be made unclean. You weren't having a whole lot of human contact in these moments. 
Actually, even the stuff that you touched was made unclean because you touched it. You, you were unclean, but everything you touched would also be made unclean if this was you. So like if you sat in a chair, anybody that sat in that chair would be made unclean. If you sat down at the table, anybody who sat down at the table would be made unclean. This is the world this woman is living in, but she's not living in it for like 14 days. She's living in it for 12 years. In a world that says, I can't be around God because I'm unclean. In a world that says, I can't be around people because I'm unclean. And I'm actually so unclean, anybody that I come in contact with is going to be made unclean. I can't even sit in a chair in my own house because if I sit in a chair in my own house, then my kids come in and they sit in that chair even by accident. Or my spouse comes in and they sit in that chair even by accident. They're unclean. For 12 years, this has been this lady's life. Any relationship that she had prior is now a completely different relationship. Any kind of religious thing that she had going on is now a completely different thing because if you're told you're unclean and you can't be around God, what do you do? Well, you don't go around God. If I can't go in the temple, why pray? Because what you know and you hear is God doesn't want to hear from me. I'm less If I have the opportunity to make everybody unclean, right? Like, Think about it. If you go up to somebody and they're sweaty and they smell funny and, and you, you don't go in for the hug usually, right? Maybe some of you, but most of you don't. Most of us would never just go downtown and start hugging on homeless people. We think we're too good for that. And this is like the extreme of that because you might have to take a bath, but they have to wait the rest of the day and they can't even touch anybody now. 12 years, this is what this lady has been living in. Every relationship she had between her and God and her and people was messed up in this moment. This is her for 12 years. And here she is in the middle of a story where Jesus is going to to bring somebody back to life. Crowd full of people, everybody, all manner of problems. But here we are, we're going to talk about this one lady for some reason. How did she get identified in the story? There were other people there probably that were sick and had issues. This is in 25, a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years and, by the way, had endured much under many doctors. She wasn't just wallowing in it. She tried everything she could to get it fixed. She went to every doctor that there was probably in the area and none of them were able to help her. Nobody could do anything for this lady. It wasn't she'd just give up. She just ha- didn't have any more options. And it says that she had even spent everything she had. Every ounce of money that this woman had was now gone. There wasn't anybody, there weren't any other doctors she could pay. She had nothing to offer, maybe is a good way to say that. And she was not helped at all. And it says, on the contrary, she became worse. Every time she tried something else, it would get worse. And every time she'd go to another doctor, it would be made worse. And over and over and over again for 12 years, she's trying to help herself and have other people help her. And she's been let down and let down and let down and let down over and over and over again by well-meaning people and maybe not so well-meaning people. And now she was broke and out of options and unclean. And it wasn't getting any better. And in 27, it said, having heard about Jesus, she came behind him. This lady, um, after 12 years, right, of trying everything you would imagine was kind of hopeless, right? You ever been to the doctor and they couldn't fix you and then you went to another doctor and they couldn't fix you and went to another doctor and they couldn't fix you? You know how frustrating that is? Some of you do because you've been through that, right? You've had first opinions and second opinions and third opinions and you're still in pain or you're still hurting and you're still frustrated and it's not getting any better. And what you do is you tend to be like, nothing's going to help. You lose hope, really. It's true. I've done the same thing with jobs, actually. You went to an interview, didn't get an inter- didn't get the job, went to an interview. You're like, oh, I killed that, didn't get the job. You ever just done something on repeat and every time you expect the result to be different and then eventually like you quit expecting the result to be different? This is the land this lady's living in. But then one day, somebody may be coming down the street, maybe in the marketplace, maybe even one of her other 
friends that would have been unclean, right? Maybe like a guy that used to be a leper walked up and he's like, hey, I'm not a leper anymore. I just want you to know. But somehow she heard stories of what Jesus was doing, that Jesus had the ability to do things that nobody else could do before. He wasn't like a, a doctor, maybe like we would think about with a stethoscope and like some shots, but he was, he was something like that. She maybe heard stories about how there were these guys that used to be lepers and now they weren't. You don't usually come back from that, by the way. She maybe heard stories about how there were guys that used to be paralyzed and now they're not. Maybe she heard it from those people, right, running down the street. Hey, uh, couldn't you not walk for, you know, ever? Oh, yeah, but Jesus, right? Maybe some of the blind friends, all these people probably hung out together because when you're unclean, it doesn't matter how, un- how you're unclean, you're just unclean. And somewhere along the line, she's heard stories about how Jesus can do things that nobody else can do. And somewhere along the line, there was this like little hope that came back in. Can I just be honest with you? This is why it's so important we tell the stories of what Jesus is doing in our life. You know, it's not impressive to an unclean person, a lost person. Somebody who's hopeless, you know, it's not impressive to them. Somebody whose life's falling apart, somebody whose marriage is falling apart, world's falling apart, you know, it's not impressive to them. We got really great music at church. It's great. They got that at concerts, and my life's still falling apart. You know, it's not helpful to people who everything around them is crumbling. Man, you'd really love our speaker. Because I guarantee you they've tried something before and it's not been able to help them. They've probably been to speakers before, right? Probably been to seminars. They've probably been to classes. Maybe they've been to counseling. Maybe they've been talking to friends and family. There's been people there that have tried to help them. And just another person is not, not impressive. Oh, we got really awesome lights. That's cool. So is Lowe's. I've been there. World's still falling apart. They need something greater than the music and something greater than the message and something greater than the lights and the building and we love each other there. They need something greater than that because when your world's falling apart, you've tried probably something else. I would just, I would just wager, right? Nobody just sets in a sinking boat waiting for the boat to stop sinking. It's just not how it works. So thank God people weren't walking around and being like, man... You need to hear Jesus. He teaches really awesome. Because what she didn't need was a teacher. She didn't need that. She didn't need somebody else to roll up and say, hey, Leviticus 15 says you're unclean. She didn't need that. She didn't even need to hear, you know what, our God is the greatest physician. Maybe there's some hope in that, but what's he done? When have you seen it? That's what I need to know. Don't just quote me some book that I don't believe. Tell me what he's done in you. So somehow, some way, somebody interacted with this lady in a way that she saw, not just, hey, I've heard that Jesus might be able to do this, but Jesus has done it and I've witnessed it. And somewhere in there, there was like a, well, if he can do it for them, maybe he can do it for me moment. That's what Jesus' stories do. That's why it matters that we share what God has done in our life, not what God's doing in a building. What's he done in your heart? If he saved you, how do you know that? If you're not going to hell, how do you know? Because to somebody that is, man, maybe that's an interesting story. Not, oh, I went down to the front of the building and prayed. No, that's, that's not going to do it for me. I don't believe all that. I want to know how is your life different today than it was six weeks ago or six months ago or six years ago. And if it's not, what do you do when talking to me? So I don't know if it was maybe the leper that doesn't hang out outside the city anymore because he's not a leper. And I don't know if it was like the guy who was paralyzed that ran by on a morning jog one day. I don't know what it is, but something happened that interacted with this woman's soul in a way that she knew, man, Jesus has the power to do something. 
And if he can do it for them, maybe it's reality for me. Maybe he can do it for me. That's the power of Jesus' stories. So it says she, she came, right? And she came up behind him, kind of like ninja style, right? If you're unclean, you're not supposed to be in a crowd of people, by the way. Every bodily contact rubs your uncleanness off on everybody else. So she's cutting through the crowd, probably hiding her face, because if anybody notices it's her, this could be a really bad day for her. And she come up behind Jesus in the crowd, and it says she touched his robe. Now here's an issue, because in Leviticus 15, what happens if you touch somebody and you're unclean? Well, they're made unclean. So by touching Jesus' robe, if Jesus works the same way everybody else works, Jesus is now going to be made unclean. Unfortunately for the, the Levitical law, that's not how it works with Jesus. There's no amount of uncleanness, even 12 years of it, that can rub off on Jesus. There's no amount of impurity that can change his purity. That's just how it works. So she comes up and she touches his robe. Some translations say the hem of his robe. If you know where the hem is, it's at the bottom, right? This is in 28. She said, for, she said, if I can just touch his robes or the hem of his robe, I will be made well. Can you imagine this coming out of a lady's mouth that for 12 years has been suffering with this? Who's tried every doctor on the planet who's who spent every ounce of money she's got. Can you imagine this? That doesn't sound like a, I mean, maybe statement, does it? That doesn't sound like a, I don't know, but I'll just give it a shot statement, does it? I don't know what kind of story she heard, but I know that that story changed everything for her. She wasn't like, oh, I need to get in front of Jesus and I need him to put his hands on me and then maybe, oh, maybe if God sees fit, then he'll heal me. That's not anything she said. She didn't even give God the escape, did she? Don't we do that? Don't we pray like that? She said, I just got to get close enough to grab the hem of his robe. And if I could just maybe even like brush a tassel, I believe that I will be healed. I've, I've heard it. Maybe I've seen it. I've I've experienced it in some way where I believe it, where everything in me says that this man has the ability to do this. And it says that she reached out and she touched it. And in 29, instantly her flow of blood ceased. Not 20 years later. Instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. Just the, just one touch, right? Just one brush encounter, just one little side moment with Jesus was enough to change this lady's life in, a, in an amazing way. Can you imagine just in, in a moment going from unclean, I can't be around anybody, to oh my gosh, everything just changed? That's crazy. And it's only by the power of Jesus. See, I think it's amazing that the story didn't stop at, um, hey, there was a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had endured much under the doctors, and she'd spent everything she had and was not able to be helped at all. On the contrary, she was worse. That's not the end of her story. But I think this is the story that most of us can sympathize with, right? This is the story most of us can relate to, right? I've dealt with this thing forever and ever and ever, and here I am still dealing with this thing, and every time I try to make it better, I just make it worse. That's the story I can relate to. I don't, I don't know what your story is, but that's the story I can relate to, right? And I've never dealt with this specific problem. I don't even know if that's possible for me, but I've not, I've not dealt with this specific problem, but, but we all have issues, don't we? See, in reality, we all got something that we need Jesus to heal us from. Everybody in this room and everybody on this planet. And you can sit there and you can be like, oh, not me. Well, then you're probably lying to yourself. You probably are. And I don't know what your problem looks like. Maybe for some of us it looks like sin. 
for 12 years, 20 years, 80 years, we've been dealing with the same specific issue, the same problem, and we cannot, we cannot for some reason seem to eradicate this issue from our heart and our life. It keeps creeping up, right? And you think that you, you think you killed it, but what you're really doing is you're, cr- you're just cutting the grass and then it grows back because the seed is still in there somewhere. That seed's planted in your heart, by the way, and you can cut the symptoms for a while and it just springs right back up. And along with that, maybe, maybe some of us are dealing with shame and we're like, oh man, I'm rising up out of shame and rising up out of shame and then something happens, just maybe a word or maybe a glance or maybe you brush into a person or something is even seen maybe and it reminds you again and you go back into that cycle of I'm so ashamed, I'm so ashamed or guilt and you're back in that cycle of guilt or unforgiveness, right? We go in cycles of I'm going to forgive that person and then something happens and we're like, oh, I hate that person and then we go back into I'm going to forgive that person Or maybe it's different people, right? And you're just so quick to snap on everybody because somebody has hurt you and now everything that even begins to look like that thing, you just, that person's a problem and that person's a problem and that person's a problem. And really what it is is there's a seed in there and you eradicate it and it grows and you eradicate it and it grows because you're not dealing with the seed, you're just dealing with the grass. You're not killing it at the roots, you're just killing the above the surface stuff. And, and you, can, you can keep going. I don't, I don't want to keep going because I don't think we need to just call out every problem in the world here today. That would take a lot of time. But you know as well as I do that there's some issue in you right now and you can put your finger on it. And I may never be able to put my finger on it because maybe you hide it so well. But there's something that's just this residual hurt that you deal with over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you need something greater, right? You've tried the songs thing. I love that song. Every time that happens, I listen to that song. And eventually that song, the, the, the medicine wears off, right? And it just doesn't do it for you anymore. You, 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 know, you got that Bible verse tattooed on your arm. And you're like, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. And then eventually that quits working for you. Or that other thing, right? You've tried all the things and all the things don't work and you've tried to eradicate it on your own and all the things don't work. This is the lady that I can sympathize with. I've tried and I've failed. 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 And here I am, 12 years later, still wallowing in the same mess that I've been in. And what we don't need is more messages. I love messages. They're helpful for us. They're about how to live and follow Jesus or they should be at least. But there's no power in the message, right? Just like there's no power in the messenger, I can't do anything for you. I'm just a guy like you that deals with issues like you do. And the songs, they can't do it. They're they're limited. Maybe they remind us of a truth of God, but they're not God. They're about him, but they don't encompass him. It's just not what they are. And what we do is we get into this cycle where we will go to this church because they're doing this thing and then it's not working and we'll go to this church and it's not working and we'll go to this church and it's not working and we want to blame the songs, we want to bring, blame the message, we want to bring whatever, we want to blame the thing. And it's, it's, the church never has the ability to heal us, it just can't do it. It can't heal any hurt in you. We're just a bunch of hurting people gathering up together hoping that Jesus will come in and do something that people can't do. Or we'll go to this conference and then we'll be there and then we go back into our slump and we're like, oh, I just need another conference. And you don't need another conference. That's just like a booster shot, right? Like it works for a little while and then you're going to go right back into the thing. We've read all the books, right? We've got a bookstore full of Christian books and what we don't need is more Christian books. I love reading them. They're good. They don't have the power to heal us because the guy that wrote them is just like us. We got our friends that maybe for a while were working and now they just can't, just can't pull us up out of our mess anymore. We've tried all the things and what we end up doing is we, we become this little Christian caravan that just bops around to whatever thing we think might be able to heal us and none of those things ever have the power to heal us they might treat the symptoms it might be a great band-aid it might work for a while but it can't do the thing because the thing is not a problem that can be taken care of by mowing the grass the problem has to be taken care of at the root (laughs) 
And that's the story that I can sympathize with. And that's the story, I'll be honest, that most of us live in every single day, isn't it? Here's this woman that's been dealing with this thing for 12 years and it just keeps getting worse. Here's this man that for 30 years has been going through this issue and it just keeps getting worse and then it gets better and it gets worse and it gets better and it gets worse and it's exhausting. And what we really need is not another book. It's somebody to step in and to say, hey, you know what? I know exactly where you've been. Because I used to be the guy that was paralyzed on the mat. And I'd tried all the books and I'd tried all the songs and I'd tried all the churches and I'd tried all the things and I'd tried rolling over into the pool because somebody told me the pool could heal me and going to this teacher because this teacher, somebody told me they could heal me. But then one day Jesus stopped by. I mean, I've been off that mat for like three years now. What we need is somebody to walk up into our story and say, you know what? I was blind. I was like, no, like I was physically blind. I couldn't see a thing. And I lived that way for 25 years. And then one day, just brush encounter with Jesus, he opened my eyes. And man, I've been, I've been seeing everything for like six years now. And it's amazing. That's what we need, right? Not recite this Bible verse and say this prayer, but man, Jesus changed everything for me. Jesus changed everything for me. And that's exactly what happened in this woman's story. She saw somebody run by that used to be on the map. And in that moment, what happened was there was a different kind of faith that came up. Not a faith that if I go to this doctor, something will change. Or if I go to this building, something will change. Or if I hear this song, something will change. Or if I memorize this verse, something will change. Not one of those things, but a different kind of faith popped up. And that faith wasn't in a building or people. It was in a man named Jesus. Because if Jesus can do it for him, Jesus can do it for me. It's not, it's not an if or an and. Like it's just reality, right? And faith rose up in her heart, and here was her opportunity. Jesus was going to be in town that day, and she saw the crowd, and she thought, you know what? I don't really care. I have nothing else to lose. She wasn't trying to just kind of wait on the corner until all the crowd dispersed and then meet with Jesus. She was like, I don't care anymore. I know if I bump into them and they realize who I am that they could kill me. That's reality. You think that it's going to be allowed for some unclean person to just run through the city touching people and making them unclean? No, they'll kill that lady. I can't even sit in the chair that she sat in. I don't want her in the crowd with me. But she got to the moment where she was like, nothing else is going to work and I don't care what it costs me. I have to have that. And I don't know that Jesus is going to have time for me. I don't have all that figured out. I've never met this man before. But what I know is nothing else has worked. And that worked for them. And it might work for me. So with the cost of everything on the line, this lady wades into the crowd kind of up behind. She's too ashamed to meet Jesus face to face. She just tries to get in the space with him. And she starts cutting up through the crowd, probably hiding her face, hoping nobody notices. Everybody knows the unclean people in the town. And she's sharking up through there. And I don't know what happens because I would imagine it started as a walk and ended something like a crawl because you don't stand up and touch the hem of somebody's garment. So with everything on the line, it was all this lady could do just to get close enough. And I would imagine kind of getting down and probably on her hands and knees just grabbing, hoping that she could reach out and grab the robe. And then it happened. Just a brush. Not some long, drawn-out prayer. Not some cycle of 30 years of religion and memorization. Just a brush. And it says she was made whole instantly. Her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. It says in 30, at once Jesus realized in himself that power 
had gone out from him. I can't even begin to understand how that works. She didn't grab his foot. She grabbed his robe. And it says he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my robe? Who touched me? His disciples look at him in 31 and let me just paraphrase this for you. Uh, Everybody. Bro, you're in a crowd. And they're crushing in on you. We've read that verse like three times now. Everybody's trying to get as close as they can to you, Jesus. They've been touching you since you got off the boat. Why are you just now concerned about it? I think this is amazing. And I think that's probably something that we would miss. Most of the people in the crowd that could get close enough had touched Jesus, bumped up against him, experienced him, maybe rubbed his shoulder. Some of them maybe even close enough to talk to him. But only one person connected with Jesus in a way that caused Jesus to notice. There was something that happened in this moment where Jesus stopped everything he was doing. He was going to like literally heal a girl before she died urgent matter luckily she could have died and jesus still could have walked in the room and did the thing you didn't have to be in a hurry because it's just who he is and from the time he got off the boat people were bumping into jesus and brushing against jesus and experiencing jesus and maybe even talking to jesus they were getting close to jesus and they were brushing up against jesus and and the whole time it's just been this i'm walking towards what i'm doing i'm walking towards what i'm doing and finally this lady touches Jesus and, and something happens, something different happens. There's like a, an interaction that happens here and it's, she touched his robe, people. And it caused him to take notice because she interacted with Jesus in a way that nobody since he got off the boat had done. A woman who for 12 years had been unclean, had not been able to communicate with God, had not been able to communicate well with people, who everybody had said, you can't come to God and you can't come to me. You can't come close to me and you can't come close to God. This lady in this moment brushed up against Jesus in a way that Jesus stopped to take notice. I just want to pause there for a minute because I want us to know it's possible to get close to Jesus and never meaningfully interact with Jesus. It's possible to even brush up against Jesus and never meaningfully interact with Jesus. It's possible to talk to Jesus and never meaningfully interact with Jesus. But here in this story, we also see it's possible to interact with Jesus in a way that would even cause Jesus to stop and take notice. In this moment, she touched him and power went out from him and he stopped everything that was happening. And he turned around and he said, who touched me? Probably all the hands went up, right? I did. I did. I did it. Me, over here. Look at me. Been trying to all the time we've been here. It says in 32, so he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was healed before she ever even went into the story, right? And this is what Jesus said. (laughs) You're like, why was the woman fearing? Um, Because she's not been able to touch anybody for 12 years. And he said this, he said, daughter, isn't that good? Daughter, he said to you, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. Go in peace and be free 
from your affliction. Jesus speaks this over this lady. I don't know about you, but man, I would love to hear that in a couple areas in my life. Wouldn't you? Isn't there something that you would love for Jesus to say when you leave up out of here today? I want you to go in peace and be free. I don't want you to deal with that anymore. I don't want you to struggle with that for the next 12 years. I don't want you to leave up out of here thinking that you have to wait till death to live in this power. I don't want you to have to think that the only freedom you're going to get is when you close your eyes here and wake up in heaven. Because I did, I came here to save you, but I also came here to heal you and to set you free from those things. I, I came here to work one time that would affect you for eternity, but after that, I stuck around. And I want to work today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and the next day forever. I want to work every day and I want to speak over you every day. When you get up from here, I want you to go and be free. I want you to go and be free. What does Jesus want for us today? He wants us to get up out of this and be free from our affliction. He wants us to rise up out of whatever we're dealing with today and be free from our affliction. And I just want to say today, if Jesus says it, it's a possibility. And some of you are like, man, well, it's a possibility for that lady, but I've been dealing with it for 25 years. Well, maybe you have. But as we've just seen, isn't it possible to interact with Jesus and never have a meaningful interaction with Jesus? Isn't it possible to maybe be in the crowd today and to maybe even speak to him today and to sing all the songs today and to even hear the word today and agree with the word today but never have a meaningful interaction with Jesus? Isn't that possible today? Because there was a, there was a, a city full of people doing it. See, I just wonder if maybe because we've got all these other things, we've left the only thing. And what we think God's will for those areas of our life is, is to just really dig into those books. There's somebody that's written a book about whatever problem you're dealing with in there. You probably got all 12 of them. There's some speaker out there on the YouTube that has a message, right, about whatever you're dealing with, and you probably memorized it. But here we are. How many of you have prayed over and over and over again, God, take it from me, 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 and here we are. Can I just say to you today, Jesus is offering you something more than that. That's reality today. Jesus wants to say to us today, you know what? Go in peace. When you leave here, go in peace. When you walk out of this place, go in peace. I didn't bring you in here just to do the thing. I want to meet with you today. I didn't bring you in here so you could sing a couple songs. There's legions of angels in heaven singing songs today. I don't need your songs. I didn't come in here today so you could hear some word and say amen a couple times and get up and leave unchanged. I didn't do that. I didn't even deposit the Bible on planet earth so you could read it and memorize it and never do it. I didn't do that. Everything I say in this book is a possibility and reality in the power of God today. That's what Jesus would say to you. And written in red right here in the middle of the story when Jesus is going to do another thing, right? He has time for this lady. I believe we could have heard story after story after story about how there were people in this crowd that brushed up against Jesus and were changed. But there was only one woman that was looking for change. There was only one woman that was looking and believing God for change. Let me put it that way. Because every time somebody came to Jesus and asked, what did he do? He did the same thing he did for the Pharisee at the beginning of the story, right? Here comes Jairus rolling up. I just want you to know I'm unlikely because the Pharisees hate Jesus. I just want you to know that I'm not the best candidate in the world because we've tried to trap him because at the end of this story, we want to have him killed. 
but I have a need that only Jesus can meet. And he goes up to Jesus and he gets down. This is a sign of humility, by the way. It's not a sign of look at me. It's a sign of look at him. You bow before royalty. It's what you do. But it's also a sign of begging, isn't it? What do you do when you ask somebody to marry you? You get down on a knee, don't you? And Jesus today has given us the opportunity to take two. And in faith, just get down in the posture of possibility down in this place. And to say, God, if you're willing, if you're, if you're able, if you'll do it, I believe, because I've seen it, that you can heal this. I believe because I've seen it that I can get up today in something else, in in a power that's greater than my power, an ability that's greater than my ability. So God, I have been so harsh to these people because in my heart there's this seed. And God, today I'm not asking you to help me lean out of sin, but to lean into you. Because it's not morality today that's going to heal me, it's the Son of God. God, I've been dealing with this sin for years and years and years and I've read everything and tried everything and I've listened to all the messages and I've heard all the songs and none of that stuff has had the power to heal me. But today I want to look past the songs and the messages at the healer. This sin, this guilt, this shame, this problem, this issue, this relationship, this whatever. I believe that God today can speak into that. You know what? When you leave here, I want you to go in peace. Your affliction has nothing on me. Your affliction has nothing on me. I just wonder today if maybe there's somebody in this place that says, I can sympathize with that lady. Because for X years, I've been praying the same prayer. And for X years, it just gets worse. And if that's you today, I just wonder if maybe you can just give it to Jesus today. You might say, I've given it to Jesus. Well, give it to him again. And then tomorrow, give it to him again. And then tomorrow, give it to him again. And tomorrow, give it to him again. Get as close as you can with everything you got. Plow through the crowd. Get through the church, right? Get through the songs. Get through the word and get into the presence of God. Because it's not a prayer that changes us, it's proximity. This lady didn't stand in the window and say, I see you, Jesus, heal me. Because you'll never be healed from that far away. Jesus today is saying, why don't you get up close? And why don't you get down real low? And why don't you in humility today come and you say, you know what? I'm going to get as close as I can because I realize in the place of that, in the place of the hem of the robe, in the place at the feet of Jesus, in that place is where I'm going to find healing. That's the only place today I can find healing. And today God's saying, if you believe that today, if there's faith in your heart even a little bit today, then the day when you leave, you can leave under a power that's different than yours.